Hey, Dragon, I really miss purple. Yeah, me too. Um, guys, I'm I'm back. I mean, it's it's almost as if it's, it's almost as if I can justify making a cliche cold open. Yeah, me too. Wait, what? Guardians to the Chris Barrett, I mean Aldrin Lorecast. I am a non-pig, and with us this week we have two of our fantastic hosts. And before I introduce them, I want to ask everyone here, but more importantly, everyone listening, do you like how we open, or would you prefer a more individualized uh, opening? Uh, so, uh, Dragon, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, staying busy. Um, work's kind of starting to slow down a bit for summer, which is kind of nice. Um, swimming is coming back in Arizona, so that's awesome. And yeah, Destiny stuff, always good. And uh, she's finally back after a month away. Purple, Yay. how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Better now that you're back. <laughs> I missed you guys. Yeah, we missed you too. I'm sure everyone listening missed you. <clears throat> as well and it's very nice to have you back in the in the destiny world with us it felt a little little empty in the last month Ah, oh. you're sweet well then this week we will be talking all about the cantankerous prince who just like the penguin in gotham refuses to die now before we begin i'd like to remind all listeners that somewhere within the next four episodes i will be interrupting drastically and dropping the code word email us this code word and your address to make sure that there's no duplicate emails being made and you will get one entry to win one of the Cade figurines and let me tell you these are awesome so let's move on to our weekly highlight weekly highlights will vary with each episode they can include community stories fan fiction gear what protects grimoire general hype but not really because weekly highlights have been sold to the lowest bidders <laughs> our segment leads and this week will be the first of hopefully many, once again without a name, a piece from our lore psychologist, SSJ5 Goku28. Guardian? Eyes up, Guardian! That's what all of us, and all the new kindergartens hear for the first time when our ghost makes us risen. But why do we just blindly follow his instructions? Hello, Destiny Lorecast listeners. I'm SSJ5 Goku. And in this special lore segment, I'll be discussing the psychological reasons and theories on a question that has been asked by so many guardians. Why do we blindly follow orders without questioning them, and act as tools or errand boys or girls for the other characters in the Destiny universe? So after being risen from our death to now become paracausal beings? It would be safe to assume that we'd awake in shock to not know the state of the world, to not know what is going on. However, we have no memories of our past selves. Where we be exo, 
awoken, or human. This absence of memory really reflects on a concept called tabula rasa, which is a long-standing concept, but the modern interpretation of it is attributed mostly to John Locke. He used the term white paper to describe that at birth, humans are really blank slates, and that we learn to categorize and understand the world through our experiences from it. Here, it is theorized that people are free to make their own decisions, to make their own destinies, and as paracausal beings, we surely have the abilities to choose our own fates. However, our guardian seems to listen to people that we perceive to be the authority figures, whether it be our ghost or the other characters we meet through our journey. As mentioned, our first guide is our ghost, but later we meet new characters, some of them with more questionable motives, and we just blindly follow their instructions, with no real explanation as to why we should follow them. So why do we follow them? Why do we follow the vanguard? Or why do we follow the person in charge of it all? The speaker. As blank slates, we're just experiencing this new world for the first time. We're trying to make sense of it all. And it is in our nature to follow people who lead us. We tend to fall in line with the people that we perceive to be the authority figure. This concept is called obedience to authority, which was explored by Stanley Milgram. His experiment, which is now viewed as an unethical experiment in the field of psychology, consisted of seeing if people would unequivocally listen to people that they viewed as authority figures. In this experiment, people were tasked in giving shocks of increasing voltage to the other participants if they would get a wrong answer on the quiz. Unbeknownst to them, the shocks, well, they were fake, and the other participants, actors. When their morals started to question the amounts of lethal shocks they were about to give to the other participant, most of them would turn to the authority figure to ask them what they should do. And here, the authority figure in a white lab coat instructed them to continue. So the participants continued, inflicting lethal shocks that would have killed the other participant. In this experiment, we see how easily people will forego their own beliefs or morals just to conform to the authority figures' demands. As people, we generally conform to a role in which we're given, but it is very much different than what we can see as, as we see in Bioshock. We call these subliminal messages. Another example of us conforming can be seen in Simbardo's Stanford Prison Study. Here, university, university students, after only about 36 hours, conform to their roles as either a prison guard or a prisoner in the experiment's mox prison. They conform to a point where it became so out of control that some of the prisoners started to be physically and psychologically abused by the prison guards. This resulted in the termination of the experiment. 
So it's easy to summarize that given our lack of knowledge of the world that we just got risen to, that we would follow the people that we perceive to be the authority figure. That would only seem logical to us. We conform to a role we perceive that we must follow. However, when these authority figures' roles get challenged by other people that used to follow them, this can create a conflict. This is part of what happened to what we view as the relationship between the speaker and Osiris. Osiris seemed to question the speaker's motives, delve into other areas of study. This is a relationship that we will talk about in our Lex Lore segment. Okay, so that brings us to our uh, main topic, Prince Aldrin. Uh, uh, Purple, would you, would you like to, to start us off since you've been away for so long? <laughs> sure. Awesome. Um, wanted, Drevis, Wolf Baroness, The Maraid, Book 8, Chapter 4, Abstract. After a string of defeats at Amethyst, at Hygieia, arguably at Iris, Prince Aldrin's crows finally made headway against the wolves' encryption. They quickly discovered a seemingly unimportant piece of information. The House of Wolves had incorrectly calculated the eccentricity of the asteroid Bamberga. So Paladin Imogen Rife chased Drevis, Wolf Baroness, directly into Bamberga's trajectory. Drevis's catch was destroyed, and both she and her high servicer, servitor, hmm. Calix IV, were captured. It was the first decisive reef victory since the scatter. But on her way back to Vesta with her captives, Paladin Rife was attacked at Palace. Wanted, Beltric the Veiled, The Maraid, Book 8, Chapter 7. Abstract. Finally, Beltric the Veiled left the Hildeans and massed his fleet at Fortuna to replenish his catch's ether from the organic compounds found on the asteroid surface. His ships landed on Fortuna one at a time, the rest forming a defensive screen around its surface. He believed that Paladin Zaire would attack the screen and destroy her feet, fleet against the shield wall. But Abra Zaire's fury over the Battle of False Tidings had chilled over the years into an icy, clever resolve. She separated her forces in two and engaged Beltric's Vale with what he thought was her entire host. But in secret, Abra deployed her second fleet with a weapon the Reef had been working on since Bamberger. Hmm. <laughs> Courage this. <laughs> a gravity weapon strong enough to knock asteroids off its course. It caught asteroid Tinet in its beam and flung it into Fortuna, destroying both and severely damaging Beltric's fleet. Beltric was easily captured in the ensuing chaos and brought swiftly to the queen. The fight became known as the Fortuna Plummet, as are, on occasion, the remains of Fortuna and Tinet as well. After the Fortuna Plummet, one of Prince Aldrin's crows returned with a message from a fallen by the name of Varix of House Judgment. It's a little ironic that uh, Aldrin's crows brought Varix to the reef, and now, after all the events, uh, Varix is a master of crows. It's like mm -hmm. a little circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that works. I like that. So, actually, would that be better to ask after the next one? It would. Uh, uh, Dragon, why don't you read the next one, and then I'll ask the question. Perfect. Uh, so it's Ghost Fragment, Queen's Brother. The machine had wings and feathers, sleek and black as its body. 
But the feathers were eyes too, sharp and delicate, and ears that pricked at every sound. The young prince considered the machine, considered its purpose, and its own, or and his own. And then he called to it, I have a task for you. Obedient, obedience was woven into its workings, and so it stopped. Master of Crows, mind the Black Garden's gate. Follow anyone who passes through. In the name of your sister, the machine vowed, and it went to find its warp capsule, just as another came in. But this one flew skittishly, as if to evade its master. The prince caught it from the air. You avoid me? I am tasked by the queen. But you serve me. He let it tremble in displeasure for a moment. Tell me your news. The machine flicked its wings. The prince stroked them flat with slow, assured motions. Tell me your news, he said again. What's the harm? The heart is growing stronger, the crow said. The vex transformation has begun, and the progeny are stirring. The prince considered this in silence for a moment, and then he wrapped the crow up in his fist and folded its wings around it so it could not move or fly. He did all of this swiftly and with purpose. Carrying the machine, he went to see his sister. She was alone with her fallen guards, sitting before a window into infinity. Her eyes did not leave the universe, but sensing her brother, she said, Yes, what is it? There is news to share, he said, and offered the crow in his fist. And I think I have earned the right to share it. Alright, so... Uh, Aldrin is the master of crows, and uh, crows in the real world world are obviously birds, and uh, and here we're sort of seeing them as robotic birds, but they're a little bit more than that, aren't they? Yeah, I know there's um, at least one reference, maybe two. Yeah, there's um, two now. Yeah, there's two now that uh, refers to cr- uh, crows as just being agents. Um, so they could be like exo awoken human. Mm. Um, well, I'd imagine, for... imagine they'd all be awoken. True. Yeah, that's a good point. If they're working for Aldrin, that's yeah. a good point. Um, but yeah, but it's a bit racist. Sure. <laughs> He's Aldrin. Kind of strikes me as that kind of guy. No, I mean, like, he, <laughs> like by definition, he he is he is a bit racist. Yeah. Yeah, but I think. I mean, I'm sure he is, but it also is like a little bit of a availability thing. Like in the reef, there are only awoken. I mean, now obviously not, but like yeah. at this time, like there are only awoken. So yeah. you don't really have other choices. Yeah. That doesn't make him not racist, though. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not racist. I'm just saying. That's. Uh, oh, I just wanted to actually say that since. I, I sort of opened that up, actually. Aldrin's racism, Aldrin's, like, superiority to, to the Guardians in general, and from there, you know, anyone who isn't Reefborn, uh, I really like that, and it's really one of the only places that we see it, and I really wish that we'd see it more, especially with the EXO, uh, where mm. it's like... I think I mentioned it on another episode... Uh, like in Destiny 2, I'd really like to see like people look down on you if you're Exo, if you're Awoken, if you're human in these like little pocket communities. You know, like you shouldn't have the same reaction. They and I feel like with a teen rating, they can never actually do that. But I would like to see it be more immersive, like that. Like actually be the character. Don't be mm-hmm. the generic 
you're the same to everyone, but if you're Awoken and you're in the Awoken Pocket community, you should be more accepted. Yeah, yeah, I think that was something in year one that a lot of people were kind of wanting and hoping for was, you know, there's this, all the story about you know, Earthborn Awoken and how they're seen by those born in the Reef, yet if you pick an Awoken Guardian, you're treated no different than if you're an Exo or a human. So hopefully, yeah, that's something we get Destiny 2. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... The Awoken uh, had some very useful information about the Black Garden, which in the vanilla campaign became a, a, an interest to of ours. So there are two missions, or rather two cutscenes, where we go to the reef, and these are some of the more the some of the larger interactions we actually had with Aldrin, and it, it mm. shows his. <laughs> vast disdain disdain yeah disdain uh for guardians for just about anyone who is not always in the reef 24 7 and uh so we are going to play those uh for you now where did all this come from Every ship that could escape fled Earth during the collapse. They made it this far. I guess they died out here. It's a graveyard. How did the Awoken survive? No one knows. Intruder bearing 127, you have crossed into the realm of the Awoken. State your business or be fired on by order of the Queen. Don't look at me. Better say something. We are from Earth. We're here to seek the counsel of the Awoken. Conform to my trajectory. Any deviation will be taken as an act of aggression. Looks like we're in the right place. Why is the right place always so terrifying? So, these are the trespassers demanding an audience. We didn't mean to trespass. The Queen herself judges who may or may not enter the realm. Me? I see no reason she should be available for whatever washes up at the reef. But here we are. We've come to ask for help. It is afraid of the fallen. It does not understand these ones are mine. Apologies. Your grace. I am a guardian from Earth. We're searching for the Black Garden. Why? We seek to destroy the darkness at its heart. 
You want to turn it into a battleground. How unimaginative. Do you know where it is? Everyone knows where it is. The hard part is getting in. Can you help us? And why would we do that? The Queen requests counsel with her brother. good. Why not? We'll make you a key. How's that? All we need is the head of a Vex Gate Lord. A Gate Lord? Yeah, we... Why do you want a Vex head? Oh, we don't. And I doubt we'll get one either. But it's your only hope of getting into the Black Garden. We will return. Or die on Venus. Either way. It is alive, and still has its ball. There is no shame in running away, Guardian. Apart from the cowardice and failure of it, it's an excellent strategy. We didn't run. Was no Gate Lord slain, brother? Oh, we slayed a Gate Lord. Ghost. We need to find the Black Garden. <laughs> they don't even know where it is. Let us tell them. Search the Gate Lord for that which gains them entrance. Why? If you wish them certain death, just kill them here. Often when we guess at others' motives, we reveal only our own. My motive is simply loyalty to a people. A queen and a sister. Then please, take what is required. Dead, unfortunately. A wasted journey, I'm afraid. Perhaps. But I think these ones resourceful. We gift it. In sympathy for their traveler. 
Mars. 84 North, 32 East. Meridian Bay. I have shown you benevolence, Guardian. Should the Awoken ever need an ally, I will call on you. And expect you to answer. She's saying you owe us, Guardian. I understand. Your Grace. Good luck! Getting through the exclusion zone. And it wasn't until after the House of Wolves that we found ourselves in the reef again. Although Mara and Aldrin weren't there, someone some of us had met in the tower was. Uh, that was Petra Venge. And for those of you confused, uh, back in Vanilla Destiny, when the Queen's Wrath event was live, we had an awoken emissary, and that was Petra Venge, wearing her out of out of reef mask. I guess it's sort of like the mm-hmm. official. But when she's in the reef, she's allowed to be a little more relaxed and not have to wear the full uniform. So this is Petra Venge. Maybe that was also part of her punishment. Right. Oh, to, hide to your wear face. the mask. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's 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 what the uh, the other Awoken guard around the reef the reef wear. Yeah. Like the ones just walking mm-hmm. around with their uh, their iPads. That's true. Or actually, those don't, those look more like surfaces. But I mean, <laughs> this... Okay, this is not a podcast about what kind of tablet they're using. Uh, well, if it was. They're probably (laughs) using Microsoft. This is in the future, and Apple is dying. (laughs) I said it. But so, Petrovenge, Queen's Wrath. My letter is a plea, my lady. A simple one. Please let me come home. It has been years now since my appointment as your emissary. Once I was proud to call myself a Corsair in your service. My sisters and I were the sharp edge of your will, cutting across the stars in protection of the reef. It was your service that kept me from sorrow after Amethyst was raised. My loss, The loss of my sisters, my whole life, as our station burned, it took something from me. But your will, it was given back to me. Promoting me to the Corsairs, allowing me to strike back at the wolves, letting my fury find purchase and defense in support and in glorious battle. I know, as I'm sure you did, that without focus my heart would have grown toxic. It was my pride in my position that sustained me through the Hildium campaign, that led me to victory in battle against Villanix, the Forgotten Kel, the last hope for my unchained wolves. I know now that it is my willful pride that brought me low. My lady, I offer again the only explanation I can. I did not know the Guardians would act as they did. All I had known, all I had ever known, were the ways of the Awoken. The wolves were entrenched in that valley. The approaches were blocked, all sight lines covered, and assault on their position was madness. We would have spent precious Awoken lives for nothing. I saw the Guardians, knew they were on the move, but I assumed they saw the situation as we did, that it was a folly to call in the crows. 
Prince Aldrin's fighter wing did a masterful job. The blast was pinpoint precise. The blast tore apart the wolves and the guardians and their ghosts. Three strike teams of guardians gone in an instance on my order. The city's anger, the speaker's condemnation, all earned, all fair. But it has been years since the Reef Wars. The city, these people, they are not like us. They do not understand their place in the world and do not listen when I speak it. Please allow me to return home to serve you once again. So, we see we see sort of why uh, Aldrin would sort of, and the whole reef really, has like contempt for humans and non-reefborn awoken. They they only they've they're very secluded. They're very. Uh, I can't think of another word for secluded. Elitist. Yeah, they're very elitist as well. <laughs> They're very, we are the right way and everyone else is the wrong way. We are above you and you're below us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you see a lot of examples like in, uh, throughout history of like of societies like this. Where, like they, mm-hmm. they are so, um, they hold on to their own society and their own ideologies so tightly that like anything outside of that is, you know, almost evil to a point. Yeah. And I hadn't actually noticed it until... I was I was putting together these notes, but Aldrin was the one that actually killed three three fire teams of guardians. It, yeah, it I was, was just look, looking at that just now. Yeah, I was like, it was, it was on Petra's orders, his? but it was his <laughs> it was his doing, and I I just I don't think he minds. You know, <laughs> I don't think he was upset. He's like, I, all yeah, right, I don't, I'll go. I don't think he <laughs> lost sleep over it. Yeah, yeah. That that whole uh, setting up that little story. There. It made me think of one of the Iron Banner cards where it talks about them. I think it was Radagast and Jolder, maybe, that were uh, kind of locked down in this position. They know they knew they couldn't defeat the Warlords, but they were just like, we can just stand in this barricade and they won't get past us. We'll just keep reviving each other over and over. Mm-hmm. But just like that way that was set up, kind of, it may, reminded me of that card a little bit. Like It was a winless situation, but they did it anyways. <laughs> And then also in this card, uh, I saw the Guardians knew they were on the move, but I assumed they saw the situation as we did, that it was folly to call in the crows. You wouldn't call in birds to attack a fleet of fallen, you know? And in this no, sense, but you might, you might send in birds to they're, they're talking scout about... the area to maybe find a different way in. If you, like, if you saw the situation as it was... You know. They're not talking about scouting. They're talking about assaulting. And they, in the in the context of sending in an yeah. assault team, they said it was folly to send in the crows. So, it's it's sort of it's sort of uh, reinforcing that crows are not just birds, but they're more than birds. Just yeah, different. Yeah, I'm sh- uh, I think there are probably different like subsects. Yeah. Where they have these like mechanical birds that are essentially like stealthy messengers right like they're they're scouting out to retrieve information and bring it back yeah the crow crows right and then there are um awoken crows who are more like 
what we think of as a scout or an assassin kind of style ambush, you know, kind of group. And that's that's actually always been something I've I've found interesting. Um, I don't remember how long ago it was, but we we did have the Paladin lore cast, and uh, in my opinion, I've always actually seen the Paladins sort of as the reefs. Uh, the reefs titans whereas the crows were the reefs hunters and we haven't talked much about them but the techians are absolutely mm-hmm. the reefs warlocks yes so i just i just think I, it's interesting that you don't I agree have to with that analogy yeah you don't you don't have to be touched by the traveler's light because the difference between a hunter a titan and a warlock is the ideology and the skill set not necessarily the super ability you know yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the super abilities in my mind are they just go along with the ideologies of the class. Like a hunter's going to want to fight a specific way, or they're going to have a certain mindset of their life, and so they're going to manipulate light in a different manner than a titan, who's going to be more brunt, more you know whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well then, uh, <clears throat> why don't why don't you take this next section here, Dragon? Perfect. Uh, Grimrokard Paskin, King Baron. Prince Aldrin. Look at it from the House of Kings' perspective. Their power is matched only by their cleverness. They ruled the devils from the shadows and came too close to toppling the city, not once, but twice. We don't know much about them, but we know this. The kings want the traveler. So why would they give it all up just because some out-system wolf runs in calling himself Kell of Kells? The answer is, they wouldn't. Petrovinch. But what if Skolas could somehow prove to them that he's the prophesied leader, some artifact or trick? Yasmin Eld. Perhaps a new power, even. Prince Aldrin? No. Short of the Traveler itself calling Skolas by name, the kings would not just roll over for anyone, no matter what. They're too ambitious. Petrovinch. You sound like you admire them. Prince Aldrin. Power cleverly deployed is always worth admiring. Yasmineld, so why send the king barons? Uh, then we have Vexus, Vecus, king baron, prince Aldrin. Of the Kell of Kings, we know nothing. Wherever, whoever it is, rem- it remains hidden, even when the so-called Kell of Kells comes to its borders. Instead, it sends just two barons, Paskin and Vecus. Yasmineld, what do we have on them? Petrovinch. Should I issue bounties on them? Prince Aldrin. No, you do not see. Perhaps if we wait, pa- Paskin and Vekas will do our work for us. Yasmin Eld. You believe Paxis, Paxkin and Vekas are not ambassadors? Prince Aldrin. I am sure of it. Shuruchi. Be certain, my prince, that your assessment is free of personal bias. Prince Aldrin. What are you suggesting, Shiro? Those are some interesting cards. Mm. Now that we know, uh, now that we got Fallen Six. Uh, you mean Reef Four? Reef Four. That, that's right. <laughs> My fault. But good try. <laughs> I was uh, I was close. Yeah, let's take yeah. it. Let's take it a card at a time, though. Uh, that is interesting, because he. He hates he hates guardians, but he it's almost like he respects the fallen. Yeah. Well, I would say he 
more, not necessarily respects the fallen. He respects the kings. He admires the kings. Yeah, I guess it's a. Because it doesn't. I mean, he doesn't say anything positive about the wolves or the devils or. He's by everything he's saying positively or is he's talking, about the kings. He's, he's talking <clears throat> about the kings directly. That's mm-hmm. not to say that he doesn't respect any other house. Just yeah, he definitely could. But it, when I read that, I read that he's his like when and the, at the end of the last one when Shiro says make sure he's free of personal bias. I get the bias coming from his passion for the kings, not as a whole. I, I, I do agree. Uh, Purple, would you like to read the next section? Sure. Awesome. <clears throat> Ghost Fragment, The Reef. The attendant moves as Prince Aldrin passes through the massive door separating the outpost's common area from the warren of tunnels that make up the Queen's Bay. He rounds a corner and a poorly maintained hatch opens for him, clunking and groaning as it separates. The room beyond is dark, shadowed. He steps through and the hatch shutters closed behind him. A series of dim illumination panels flicker on. He is not alone. Three dull green lights blaze to life behind a veil. She tilts her head to consider the prince, face like a marble carving. You. Her voice resonates inside small chamber. Say what you want and get out. We don't have time for this right now. In the past, her majesty has seen fit to... In the past, our navlings weren't full of guardians, Aldrin snaps. Last I heard, your queen was on the far end of the belt. If the guardians knew you and she were in contact, it would be detrimental to her plans. The woman nodded once. Very well. She stood slowly, drawing herself up to her full height in one smooth motion. I come with word from beyond. I always want that card to say dun 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 at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost Fragment, the Queen 2. You don't have one. The hunter came to a halt in front of the throne, raised her covered face to meet the prince's gaze. No, she agreed. My next death will be my last. I know the feeling, the prince said dryly. The queen kept her expression carefully distant. She sat reclined in her throne, legs crossed, surveying the two figures at the base of the steps. Beside her, where the wolves' guards used to stand, Tekyun's Shuro and Sedia hovered instead, their jewel-like augments gently humming. To her right and just before stood the prince, facing forward, but his body half-turned back toward her. So, um, here we see the, the prince is sort of like a almost like a personal guard to Mara. Uh, I would, I think he's kind of just the right hand. Like if it comes to being a guard, I think he'll play that role, but I think he wants to be as close to her as possible just because I think he feels kind of more powerful Mm. near her. I mean, like they're, they're, like, definitely, they're definitely close. I mean, they're brother or sister. Yeah, well, and they have all kinds of, you know, supernatural connections as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they're, you know, two close siblings. Yeah. 
And yeah. and again, we we see his his hate for guardians, even if they're even if they're no longer a guardian, just because she once was. No, my next mm-hmm. death will be my last. I know the feeling. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> God, so so mean. <laughs> Yeah, it, it almost like makes he's... me wonder if he's jealous. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. He sounds like he might be jealous that he doesn't have that gift. You know, he's he's all about power, finding well, that uh, finding ways to that maybe sort of uh, put himself at an advantage. That sort of talks to the awo- to the awoken a bit. Um, I think it's fallen three. With uh, Skolas's speech, he he talks about how the Awoken call out to the stars, uh, looking for an answer. Like the Guardians have the Traveler, and the Awoken have like whatever lies out in the in the dark in the deep space and stuff like that. And it's just uh, you know, maybe maybe that is maybe that is jealousy. Because he feels like they've sort of gotten the the short end of the stick. Well, and it's also getting a ghost is not um, something that he probably thinks that he can achieve, right? There are lots of there's a lot of power you can see uh, that that Aldrin can see that he can seize. You know, you can um, with wit and cunning and a little bit of force, you can take over. Mm-hmm. A, you know, another planet, another society. You can um, gather power that way, but he doesn't have a way to resurrect himself in the face of death, like guardians have. Mm-hmm. And probably to his mind, unless you know that he's got some information that we don't have, he doesn't have a way to get that. Yeah, his his tactics are sort of forced. And to a certain, and to a certain way, we definitely have an advantage on him because we can just, we can just die. It's, it's that simple mm-hmm. for us. And also, um, I think it was from the House of Wolves uh, vendors, but he, he does wear hunter armor as well. So, uh, you should be able to buy from the Vanguard engrams from the Eververse or just from Cade directly. Uh, and if you're lucky, you'll get some of the armor that, and you'll see, like, you'll match him. Maybe that oh, was his real purpose. Yeah. His real purpose for killing those strike teams was so he could steal <laughs> some hunter armor. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can you can you can make your you can make your guardian look just like him, and you can put on his armor, and he'll still hate you. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's mocking. <laughs> right. So then that brings us to the aftermath. Uh, so before before I read this card, I feel like I should mention uh, with the Taken King, Marasov and the Awoken led an assault on the Dreadnought, and they essentially got wiped out. Uh, by the giant weapon on the front of the Dreadnought, and Mara went down and went MIA, and Aldrin went down, and this card is the aftermath of that attack. Uh, and he officially went MIA. Yeah. 
Then he went at my uh, Do not fear, brother. This was the only choice I had. The sound of her voice ripped him from sleep. He jumped up. His ship was still contained in its protective sphere. He tried to retract the shield, but it was locked into its initiation time. He couldn't remember activating it. Then he remembered the battle. That blast. What that ship fired was ancient. Not bound to anything the origin libraries even sought to describe. He tried to calm down. He thought of her, searching for her pole. He couldn't find it, but he was not calm. She always told him she, was al she would always be there behind the calm. All he could hear were echoes of that sound. It began as soon as they hit the ring plane, ring, excuse me, ringing in the old glimmer of his long-buried self. Before she showed him who he was, in the before and the after. The Techians should have known that the, what the Dreadnought could do. Must have known. Did they not feel what he felt, hear what he heard, and that damn catch? It wasn't protected. They had to know that. All to deploy the Harbingers. They barely got a foothold before the weapon was fired. He thought, Pet he thought of Petra and how overwhelmed she must be, forced to hold her post and watch her people perish. He tried to calm himself again, forcing long breaths. He realized where he was, Mars, Athabasca, the Candor Isles. He hadn't been here in so long, not since he found the Black Garden. The countdown to the shield's deactivation pulsed. He tried again to home in on her, to find if she truly gave herself for this battle. He felt close to something, a hum of starlight. Then the shield deactivation broke his focus. He climbed out and saw the damage to his ship and the truths of the Armada's devastation sunk in. He turned in despair to find hundreds of his crow drones deployed on Mars long ago, circling his ship, waiting. Welcome back, Master. One of the closest to him spoke first, and the others followed a wave of salutations echoed throughout the dry sea. And with that, hope returned. Begin repairs on, on the ship immediately. Something has gone missing, and you will help me find it. So there's actually a few things that I want to bring up from this card. Uh, first, origin libraries. I was just thinking that. I've never. I've. I don't know how many times I've. I want I've read to go this to card, the... and I've never noticed that 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 term. And this isn't. This is capitalized for people listening. It is like. A place. This is a named place. The Origin Libraries. And I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive that Cryptarchs actually come from the reef. It is heavily implied that the reef Cryptarchs are the original ones and that the tower cryptarchs are a spin-off of them. Okay. That makes sense then because if you look at uh, Ives and Rahul, you'll see that they have their cryptarch logo is a little bit different than uh, Tyra's. Mm -hmm. So maybe Tyra mm -hmm. is uh, the spin-off. And that's why she's like worked so closely with uh, the Iron Lords. 
but so maybe the origin libraries are like the cryptarch libraries maybe was there uh anything anyone else wanted to point out other than that because i have a couple more but i don't want to just take them all <laughs> oh well i i was just gonna reinforce um what we said earlier about the crows because yeah. they specifically point out that they're crow drones mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if all of the crows were drones that would be a redundant statement yeah 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 you get a couple of other things in this card too where you know it, it confirms that he was the one who found the black garden uh i know we got we had the card earlier where it mentions him watching it you know watching the gate with his crows mm -hmm. this here this says that he found it um i think that's a big one I agree. I have, I have another point too, but I'm going to wait for the next card because they kind of connect. So if you have anything on this one, go for it. Uh, yeah, actually, I do. Uh, it mentions the Candor Isles, and the Candor Chasm is actually one of the largest canyons in the Valles Marineris Canyon system on Mars. Uh, the feature is geographically divided between two halves, east and west candor chasms, respectively. It is unclear how the canyon originally formed. One theory is that it was expanded and deepened by a tectonic process similar to Graben, while another suggests that it was formed by subsurface water erosion similar to a karst. Uh, discovered sulfates, hydrated sulfates, and iron oxides in the in Kendor Chasm. So, uh, just to reread that 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 line, uh, crap, where the hell was it? Uh, he tried to calm himself again, forcing long breaths. He realized where he was. Mars, Athabasca, the Kandor Isles. He hadn't been here in so long, not since he found the Black Garden. So, uh, the can the Candor Chasm, you know, the Candor Isles, uh, it seems to be the related place, like it's sort of the Destiny version of this place. Uh, it it might be close to the location of uh <laughs> of the uh sorry Black Garden. And At least when the Black Garden is anchored to Mars. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and uh, Dragon, uh, feel free to read that next card. I'm gonna look up okay. something. Okay. While you do that. Certainly. So the next card is Ghost Fragment, the Reef Four. He let his captors drag him through the dirt. His arms ached. Two hands wrapped around each bicep like iron bands. He slumped, and the toes of his scuffed boots bumped over the stones and left trails in the dust. He kept his eyes low, a ragged and stained cloak hanging over his face. It was not a position to which he was accustomed. They debased him. They abused him. He bit the inside of his cheek until the blood filled his mouth. He struggled not to resist. They needed to believe he was broken that he wasn't a threat. It was the only way they would want or they would bring him before their kill. 
He'd spent weeks weaving the illusion that led the fallen to him. He'd left bits of his trail where they couldn't help but find them. He skulked from planet to planet, Mars, then Venus, then Mercury, then back again, following rumors and whispers. He'd hid from the Guardians, from his own people. He'd let everything they had built fall apart, while those still loyal to him searched every inch of this forsaken system. Now it was time to stop searching and start building. He would need soldiers to soldiers who answered to him and no one else. Bodies to shape with will and magic and tech to his needs. These would serve. He thought they would take him to a catch, but they were deep underground. Not near the Cosmodrome, but it didn't matter. He'd never been particular, particularly concerned with the geography of this blasted world. It was not his home. So he bent his head low and listened to the guttural string of hisses and clicks issuing from the maw of a would-be king in yellow, a broken ruler of a broken house, and the last of his kind. They were more alike than he cared to admit. When the creature's anger had burnt itself out, he raised his head to look at it. He did not need to speak. One cow rises, and another bends its knee. And the prince felt that little hum of starlight ripple through him, the one that let him let him know she would be pleased with what he had done. So good. <laughs> so I'm going to start off real quick. and uh, So this is something that I kind of thought of um, the other day when I was recording with Destiny Truthcast. And one of their questions was, like they had mentioned about Aldrin, and they you know, were saying, like, what what's happened with him like we haven't seen him since the cutscene from taking king like we haven't heard anything else from him so so i pointed out you know we did get a couple of cards that kind of hint at what he's been up to and so i read the cards and one thing that stuck out to me is i was i was explaining it to them that there's connections to the queen on these because of, with the phrase home of starlight um which is something that the queen kind of uses as as a description of herself or when she says that her mother was a starlight and mm-hmm. and that kind of made me think something else too where what if this hum that Aldrin is feeling that he felt it when he f- was first land crash landed on Mars um where it just says um where is it the exact quote oh yeah he felt something. Cl- he felt close to something. A hum of starlight, or a hum of starlight, and then later was that that little hum of starlight ripple through him. Well, if Mara says that starlight is her mother, what if this is a reference to the queen and Aldrin's mother somehow, and not a reference to Mara? It could be. Um... It seems unlikely only in that we have no other reference to their parents mm-hmm. um, other than that one line that Mara gives about, um, you know, Starlight was my mother and darkness was my father. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say it couldn't be, but um, we have a, a lot of references to the fact that Aldrin and Mara are connected on more than just a mm-hmm. like 
siblings level like they have some kind of supernatural ability that connects them to each other yeah yeah my thought process was really just you know the only time we see the phrases starlight are in was when the queen is referring to her mother and then the two times that aldrin feels it rippling through him so i just thought that was kind of right interesting but that's also something that could be passed down from mother to daughter yeah and maybe it's something where once yeah like like once maybe where the queen is now it's starlight is a different a, a presence she has or a like in a you know part of who she is now right something like that I don't know. yeah i just thought that was interesting mm-hmm. so definitely uh, good thing to point out so i'm back and uh for anyone, for anyone, uh, this is sort of deviate from that for just a quick second. For anyone who is interested, go to google.com forward slash Mars forward slash. And then you'll have in the top left corner, elevation visible infrared. Uh, click infrared and you'll see uh, four colored squares or rectangles on a black and white. Uh, the first far left is a tiny small one, then one higher, larger. Uh, the second one from left to right. The second one is Olympus Mons, which is the mountain we see when we land to the right uh, on the Meridian Bay Patrol. And then the larger rectangle is actually the Kandor Chasma. Uh, so they're definitely not close to each other, but I mean, they're not like on the opposite sides of Mars either. So I just wanted to say that that's that's nice. what i was cool. that's what i was looking up i just wanted to see where they were in proximity to each other cool yeah like science. seeing like the yeah, yeah like seeing all the, the real life um like we did it with the moon um when you look at the um oh what's i'm blanking on the name now uh what's the name where all the crucible maps are on the moon uh good Maricognitum? Um, Maricognitum? It's a... Since Baxter will yell at me. (laughs) It's the... When you fly in, it's it's like the location of the moon for all of them. Well, there's... Uh, That's where the the two cards... We have the two cards uh, from it, too, where the scientist team was. Well, the scientists were in the Mara Embryum. I think. Uh... Kind of crazy, go drag me crazy now. Let me use go to um, Ishtar-Collective.net real quick. Um, did you have any other comments on this uh, card here? Uh, yeah. Uh, so. With this card, uh, we see... This is sort of the after effect. It is a little bit out of context if you don't know the card Fallen 6. Uh, Fallen 6 talks about how pretty much all the Fallen have abandoned their campaign to get the Traveler back. They've burnt their cloaks. They've tossed their armor, bonfires. They're, they're nowhere to be found. They've given up land. You know, they're just gone. So something happened that's spooked them or made them reconsider. I don't know exactly what. Uh, and instead of keeping to their 
uh, normal selves and holding on their catch, uh, they're take they're hiding deep underground. Uh, we also have reference to their the cloaks that are being still worn because obviously not all of them would have gotten rid of their mm-hmm. cloaks. Some would still have it, and if the, not their cloaks, you know their armor. There's gonna be there's gonna be something still left, you know, and it's talking about how there were yellow cloaks, and so far the only yellow cloaked fallen we know of would be uh, kings, and they do say maw of a would-be king in yellow now that's just that could just be like a would-be king like a would-be ruler uh because they actually say a broken ruler of a broken house and the last of its mm-hmm. kind so and also king is not capitalized yeah it, it is that. not capitalized uh you're right it's, but so it sounds like they're trying to say kings without saying kings mm-hmm and that sort of ties back to uh, Vaskin and Pekus? No, not Pekus. Uh, Vekus and Paskin. <laughs> I had the, yeah. the V's and the P's <laughs> mixed. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, where Aldrin had sort of like how you said he only had really identified with the kings in a sign of respect and now he's very clearly baiting the fallen to have captured him and it might even be that he was baiting the kings specifically to capture him Mm -hmm. waiting for them to capture him so that he can sort of work his way in and work his way to the kill where it says and i've heard it I've heard it uh, said one Kel rises and another bends its knee as Aldrin rises and the other one is now kneeling to him. Mm-hmm. But personally, I don't see that yet. Like, I don't think that's exactly what's going on. Uh, I, I think, think that it's on? probably a symbolic, like, a brushing over of what happened that he um like Aldrin is now taking over this house. Yeah, I think it's like it's it's supposed to be like he's undergoing the process of taking over the house, but not because like what happened, you know, he goes he's like the creature's anger had burnt itself out, he raised his head to look at it, he did not need to speak. One kill rises and another bends its knee. Like he's he's taken to them completely defeated. He's being dragged the Kells mad and looking at him and, you know, like, hisses and clicks, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's not, okay, you didn't die, so you're in charge now. You know, it's, this is Aldrin's first step in taking over. Mm-hmm. Not, this is Aldrin taking over, this is the beginning of his takeover. Yeah, I, I I I agree with that. I think like I don't think when it says one kill rises and another bends its knee, it's an actual. It's actually happening. Yeah, it's like not, if we if it were a cutscene, we wouldn't see Aldrin standing and the kill bend, like bending his knee to Aldrin. I think it's, it's a metaphor to the yeah to what is shaping up. Like yeah. the, basically the the ball is rolling down the hill now. Yeah. I mean that's that's just how I see it personally. And, uh, so what I've also been seeing with that is how people are sort of saying, like, 
The fallen are leaving us as enemies. They're not. They're abandoning their post. Aldrin's taking them over. Uh, fallen playable race for Destiny Two. Fallen allies for Destiny Two. And as much as they want that, this card sort of makes me feel like it's less likely. Aldrin is not someone. If if Aldrin is taking over the last grouping of fallen, they're not going to be our allies in. Mm. I mean, they'll be our allies in the strictest sense of the word, where it's like they are not trying to kill us, <laughs> but I don't think yeah. he would mind if they had killed, let's say, three fire teams of Guardians. <laughs> well, well, we spent the last hour talking about how much Aldrin hates Guardians, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I don't, I don't think know, he would don't, care. Yeah, I don't picture him taking over this group of Fallen and saying, okay, let's go help the Guardians. Oh, the, he's going to be like, all right, <laughs> let's go... Is- Take the reef back, maybe, or something. One thing I'm I'm curious about is, uh, like, when I when I sort of read this the first time, uh, I want to get the exact line. He would need soldiers who answered to him and no one else, bodies to shape with will and magic and tech to his needs. These would serve. Uh. So that sort of sounds like he's not he's tired of being the second hand. He's mm-hmm. t- he wants to be the king, not the prince. Yep. So with that line, I feel like the very last line and the prince felt the little hum of starlight ripple through him, the one that let him know she would be pleased with what he had done. Uh to assume that would be Marasov that's a little weird because it sort of sounds like he's doing this for his mm-hmm. own uh, standing. And then when you were, when you were searching for the Mars thing, to, were you listening to what we were saying still or a little bit? I mean, I can't, bit, so I can't do five things at once. Yeah. Did you, did you hear my, my, no, I don't listen to you discussion or my theory or what I had pointed out that you think it's the mother. <laughs> oh, could be maybe not exactly. It could but, be. I mean, yeah. starlight I'd... was the mother. I mean, yeah. I don't know. To me, I think that makes more sense. Well, I mean, I think it's more saying. figurative as well. Yeah, I, I think it depends on on what how you read Mara as as a a character because if you think if you're operating under the assumption that Aldrin is doing this for himself so that he can be the top of the food chain and not be second in command, you know, Mara could take that two ways. She could either be mad, you know, that she, that he's trying to go and do his own thing, or she could be supportive and say, oh, now I have, you know, an, a, a very yeah. powerful ally. Mm. You know, go, go and rule your own house and we can be allies together rather than you being subservient to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I'd like to say about uh, that is. I personally think there is, if I had to like give a percentage, I'd say like an 85% chance that Marasov is actually Savathun. Uh, if that would be the case, I can see why she'd be happy that her brother is, uh, that's air quotes, brother, uh, mm-hmm. is sort of building an army 
of his own, you know, because like this love is war, you know, she doesn't want a subservient brother. She wants a brother who will fight back. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll, one of our next, uh, spec clack, spec cast. We'll have to discuss that theory. Yeah. And also in Marasov. It's a sort of, uh, one one of my favorite theories, sort of, uh, staying with that, that, that would also sort of, uh, explain his, uh, you don't have one. Uh, no, my next ne- my next death will be my last. I know the feeling. Like <laughs> he, his next death will be his last. But Mara Savs, you know, if she's Savathun, she's got a throne oh. world to go back to. And maybe that's why he's so. Kind of has this already feeling of disdain towards the Guardians because like he grew up his whole life pretty much with his sister that pretty much lived the same way. And he's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kind of that, that jealous brother. Yeah, he's always had the jealousy, and the guardians just fill the role as well. Because mm-hmm. then it, it's not just it's not just oh guardians get to come back from the dead. It's oh everybody but me gets to come back from the dead. <laughs> um. So as far as um the like wanting soldiers that answer to him. Mm-hmm. We we read in, and I'm not going to scroll back up and try to figure out which one <laughs> it was, but um, we had it earlier that where he captured the um, crow that was supposed to be delivering a message to the queen, and mm-hmm. he kind of like forced it to tell him what the message was. Mm-hmm. So even though he's the master of crows, they are, like there, there can be crows in situations that, are not really reporting to him first. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of a dual loyalty, and we know now, of course, that the crows right now they report to Varric. So who knows where if he showed back up in the reef, where would their loyalty lie? You know, well, we don't know how they're. That's actually uh, also reinforced in another card. Uh, since this was the Aldrin cast, I didn't include it, but there is the one. Uh, Marasov got in trouble with the nine because he he was sending the crows to the cauldron's mm-hmm. array, and she sending said, him too far. Yeah, and she sent as an apology. She gave them skolas and made sure to say the crows are mine. Like I let him have the title, but they're right. still mine. They are mine. <laughs> yeah. So it it could be something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I can see that. And this, and I don't know if this is relevant at all, but it struck me the very first time I read this card. It reminded me of another card, um, the Rezal Azir World War Without End card. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of has a similar feeling. They're fighting Fallen, and um, Rezal actually dies because he's you know, obviously can be resurrected by his ghost. Um, but it, it's almost the same ploy, right? Like going, you pretend to be defeated yeah. so that in they bring you to their leader and you can then take over and then you can be triumphant. Mm-hmm. So Rezal yeah. is Aldrin Sov. <laughs> he, he is everybody. He's the speaker. Mm-hmm. He's Dragon. He's Aldrin. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Dragon Aldrin. It's, it's they're the same person. Dragon Aldrin. I mean, it's so close, right? Like, come on, <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> we 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 do need to do it. Uh, 
Dredgen cast part two since we did the first one when it was all speculation. Was we it? I wasn't there for there. that one. You weren't? Nah, that was the, the time I called out sick. Okay, oh, that's right. Yeah, we had a... It was Jared, uh, Jared and me and Mike, I think, then. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yeah. I don't think Purple was with us at that point, either. No, she wasn't. God, that episode must have sucked. So, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. It must have been pretty <laughs> Didn't have me. That's all we... Didn't have Purple. He's asking Didn't have Purple. It. It's crap. <laughs> terrible. See, we gotta do part two. Yeah. Make up for the first one. <laughs> all right. Well, uh... I, I think that sort of wraps up uh, this Aldrin Sov, a little bit of Crows, a little bit of Mars, Lorecast. Yeah. <laughs> Mars and it was Oceans of Storms. Cast. Oceans of Storms is the location on the movie I couldn't think of. Yeah. Mars Geography Cast as well. Yeah, right. So then, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lorecast. Until next week, you can find us on Twitter. Oh, I said Twitter. I've been doing that. Fail. Yeah, it's it's Twitter, you know. I'm tired, <laughs> but it's Twitter. Uh, at Destiny Lurkast, we love to hear from you, so please give us your thoughts and theories, because uh, you never know. We might we might discuss your theory on 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 the show. We'll give you the little shout out, and uh, maybe I don't I don't want to say like I don't want to say it because then people would, yeah people will be like well, well, we I give you a theory and I wasn't on, but you know maybe yeah. we'll we'll bring you on yeah. if, and, if and we've gotten a couple theory. good ones but we've just we've had you know we had rhino's weekly uh highlight yeah, we had a yeah. uh, this one from from go was it goku, yeah, goku. so but there's we've definitely had some good ones and if you have theories definitely share them yeah yeah it's it's we're trying to we're trying to give everyone uh in the segment leads their, their little place and i think next week it's going to be a baxter's interview because that has some semi-classified information in the interview oh <gasps> Which I don't think you know about yet. Uh, I which reminds me, I need to finish. I need to finish writing, and start writing like two or three others. And purple, you gotta. I'm sure you gotta get writing because you took a month off. <laughs> did, did 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 you uh did he tell you about the name change? Are you talking is, about Baxter? Yeah, is Baxter. it gonna be Baxter's Collective now? No. Mm. Baxter Dash Collective. That I, I see. I see. I I like accidentally <laughs> suggested a name change, and he ended up liking it more. So. Oh yeah, we already handled that. Yeah, no, I know. He showed he showed me how it's gonna look. It's it's. I really like how it's gonna look. It's very it's very pretty. Uh, what line was I at? Was I on? Did I say I? You'd like yet? to help us grow. No, no. Okay. Yeah, if you'd I like can... to help us grow, go leave a review. Uh. Go leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us and other great podcasts such as the Destiny Down Under, RNG Cast, Massive Breakdowns, Rabbit Hole Radio. Are you guys have you guys been like on hiatus since you've been away? No, they've okay. been recording. No, they had one, but but we only record every other week anyway. So mm-hmm. I only missed one. I was just, I was just curious. Uh, and the DTR podcast, all in the DTR network. We don't have a guest, so you can't find them anywhere. But uh, purple, where <laughs> can people find you in case you decide to like leave for a month again? <laughs> I you can find me on Twitter at purple chimera. I gained fifty followers while I was away. It was very weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find my summaries awesome. on hpowerdashcollective.net. You can find me on that 
um, Ishara podcast. You can find me here on DLC and you can find me on the rabbit hole radio podcast. So busy. I'm awesome. I know. Dragon, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at handsome dragon. The O's are zeros. Um, I've also been streaming again on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash handsome dragon. The O's are zeros. Yeah, I think I'm going to yeah. start streaming in destiny too. Yeah. I'm trying to kind of get a few, I have a couple people that kind of come out and watch every stream. So it's kind of cool getting to talk to the same people and hopefully get a little bit of a community before destiny two comes out. Should be fun. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a non-pig, and you can find me on my Twitter, which is at a non-pig. And uh, on May 20th at 2 p.m., you can also find me at on the Sundowners charity stream. But you should you should go for not just me, but for everyone. Uh, it's gonna be a great thing, great for charity. You know, go donate, mm-hmm. go go have a good time and watch everybody show some support. You know, shout it out, retweet the retweets. Uh, uh crap! I had something to say. Oh, I swear to God, it was important. Yeah, May eighteenth, you'll find us on Twitter, <laughs> watching everybody else have an awesome time in LA. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) They're still waiting. Um, And uh, so, if you can show me proof that you listened to all, watched all 24 hours of that charity stream, I, not an artist, will hand draw a picture of me and you (laughs) as best friends. How would one show proof of this? I don't know. Figure it out. Right. I'm not. I'm not here. I'm not here to teach you. <laughs> yeah. You don't. You're not gonna help anyone out there. They gotta figure that no, out. You gotta figure that shit out, man. If you want a lovely drawing, you gotta yeah. earn it. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta work for this. You gotta. You gotta. Cool. Cool. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta put in the effort. <laughs> you know. That's. That's. It's a pretty. Pretty awesome gift that I'd just be giving you. You know. Like, I am not an artist. It's going to look like crap. (laughs) Alright. Have a good one, Guardians. Take care. Hey, guys. Handsome Dragon here. I wanted to make a quick announcement on something that has been um, a big part uh, of my life the last few weeks, the last couple months. Uh, It's an event that we've been trying to get going. I've been working hard with a lot of lore members in the community, a lot of the big names that you all go to for your lore. And I wanted to take this time to announce the the project that we've been working on. And I'm really proud of it. And I really hope that you all come out and support it and sp- spread the word. So without further ado. Hey guys, it's me again. So first I want to announce that uh, a bunch of the people in the lore community have created a group called the Lore Minds, and the function of this group is to focus on um, spreading awareness and uh, helping bring support for different literacy programs that are out there. And the first one we're going to do is on August 26th. We're going to host a 24-hour stream uh, for supporting Lit World. And that's uh, litworld.org, and I'll get more of that in a minute but first i wanted to share with you something that i and the rest of lore minds find important 
and that is literacy. Did you know that in, even in 2017, there are about 1 billion, yes, billion, non-literate adults and that 115 million youth globally are illiterate? Also, in several countries in West and Central Africa, youth literacy rates remain less than 50%, even though the illiteracy rate is slowly declining throughout the world. Being literate is one of the most basic tools that we can provide that lead to informed decision-making, personal empowerment, and active partic participation in your local and global social communities. That is why the Lore Minds of Destiny are teaming up with LitWorld, a nonprofit organization devoted to strengthening kids and communities throughout the power of their own stories. We're doing this by hosting a 24-hour charity stream August 26th. Now let me tell you a little bit about LitWorld. LitWorld is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, they are creating permanent positive change in the world. They implement on the ground and innovative solutions to the hard to tackle challenge of illiteracy worldwide. The combined power of children's own stories, plus access to diverse reading and writing experiences, plus peer-to-peer -peer and adult mentor relationships, brings about productive and transformational literacy. So what are we gonna do? How are we gonna make this charity stream unique? Well, this is going to be a 24-hour lore fest with all of your favorite Destiny lore masters talking about the story of Destiny in all its glory. The plan is to team up with the various lore masters and talk about topics suggested by the community. So if you've ever wanted to know why Thorin and Last Word are intertwined, or who Cade had a crush on, or even who some lore masters may think Marasav, Queen of the Awoken, may be, join us on the 26th of August to fight illiteracy with our combined lore mind powers. Submit topics and keep up to date on the event on Twitter by following at LoreMinds. That's at L-O-R-E-M-I-N-D-S. We're going to have a bunch of awesome lore masters, lore content creators with us. Joining us on the uh, stream, we're going to have community creators like The Guardian, Rhino666, Baxter, Captain Kex. We'll have YouTubers like Sir Wallen, My Name is Bife, Mylan Games, Beard Grizzly, podcasts with uh, hosts from Destiny Lorecast, Focus Fire Chat, and Rabbit Hole Radio. And hopefully many, many more will come and join us as, in the words of Lit World, we strengthen kids and communities through the power of their stories, together authoring a bold new world of equity and opportunity. Thank you.